Starting. Okay, we're recording. Okay. Uh, welcome, Rachel. Welcome to That Catholic Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. That's good to hear. So, you know how these times are crazy now, right? With everything closing down, you know, with the COVID-19 yeah. and all those things. Yes. What, what are your thoughts about that right now? Like, on an individual level. I think my thoughts would um, probably upset a lot of people, but I had COVID in January along with my family. You did? Yes, and it wasn't a pleasant experience, but it's I actually enjoyed it more than I would a cold because it never <laughs> knows. Um, it's bad, but it's not half as bad as they're saying. Yeah. And I have found... Um, by research and talking with my parents that a lot of um, a lot of these deaths called COVID are actually just regular deaths like somebody crashed their car and died and my mm-hmm. I have a few um, aunts that are nurses mm-hmm. and they said yeah anyone dying in the hospital of anything even a stillbirth is recorded as a, a COVID death mm-hmm. Well, I do agree right now with the media. I feel like they are over-exaggerating, specifically when, you know, what happened in New York when it just boomed over there and it went over the place. It was going out of control. I do see that I, I, well, I can't say from experience, my my family also got COVID recently in May. Uh, It it was bad. Uh, It got really bad to the point where I thought I was going to lose my parents. It was that bad. But, you know, thank God they lived, you know. But I do, I do think it's a serious thing. You know, it's affecting not just ourselves, but it's affecting everything, right? It's affecting uh, how we live, how we go out now. Nowadays, we can't yeah. even go without a mask, right? Or they, you yeah. get kicked out. And we're seeing this a lot in the church now. You know, churches are just just start now starting to reopen, and you know, a lot. You, I'm seeing a lot of changes that I don't, I don't, I'm not proud of, and I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's right. For example, you know, for example, no more than like 40, 14 people or anything. But, you know, if you think about it, they're letting like people go to the like what Costco, Sam's Club, you know, packed with like 80, 100, 200 people. Right. Yes. And they're not saying anything. But, when, you know, when it goes to mass, it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. No, 14 or you got to close it. Right. Yes. And actually, that's why I wanted. That's why I brought you up on the show to get your thoughts on this, you know. Right now, I don't know how the situation is where you live over there, but you know, over here, you know, in the Midwest, it's 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 pretty bad. Uh, I'm seeing on the news where I live in the state I live uh, in Minnesota, actually, where now parishes are now the you know how like you know the Eucharist is not being, and a lot of churches they're not giving it out anymore to the public, unless it's an extreme circumstance. I don't know if that's the same situation where you are. But over here in Minnesota, it's it's got, it's so bad to the point where now they're giving, like the the body in like a Ziploc bag, right? Like a snack. Oh my gosh. Yes, and, and it's it's not just that, but it's the fact that no one's watching who grabs it, grabs one, right? What yeah. if it's like a satanic a witch or a satanic person? You know, we um, you can imagine what they can do with that, right? Oh my gosh. And 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 I don't know if you've seen this as well, but you know I'm seeing. The church going through a lot right now, you know. I'm real. I'm not. I'm not seeing that many. I honestly, compared to the beginning of the year to now, I see 
less and less people are attending mass you know uh alex you know i don't know if it's that over there for you or you can give us some thought about you know if that's the same where you're from well where i am um they're they're mostly um they're allowing quite a few people in but in some of the churches they're going to the extreme where you have to stand more than six feet apart it's more like nine feet and um you're separated by two to three benches instead of one Mm-hmm. And then um, they are, they, a lot of them are forcing you to wear masks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not too bad here. Do they give you both sacraments, the body and blood, or do they just give you the body? Just the body, and they they said we have to receive in the hand. In the hand, But yes. um, at our Latin mass where we go to, our priest mm-hmm. sort of fought it. And so they told him if he cleansed his hands in between each um every time he gives someone holy communion if he cleanses his hands in between he can give it to them on the tongue yes so do you I have a quick question do you go so are you going to the nervous ordo or are you going to the traditional latin mass i usually go to the traditional latin mass because that okay. works best for us okay that's good so you said in the traditional latin mass they give it to you by the tongue right yes that's all okay. right Okay. Yeah, that's that's the same over that's the same deal over here in uh, Minnesota. I I actually stopped going to Nervous Order once the pandem- uh, pandemic started cuz I used to go. Uh but once like the pandemic started, I just started seeing all of these things happening and more and like it got bad every Sunday. I remember it got so bad to the point where you couldn't even kneel and it, you know in some of the prayers you couldn't even kneel or you know in, in the in the creed when we bow Yes. It, they wouldn't even the priest would not even let us do bow. He's like no because he, they would, he would try to make us some excuse, be like oh there's maybe pesticide or chlorine or something, <laughs> and it got so like honestly I wanted to go to Latin mass for so long, but my parents were like you know they were kind of comfortable with the you know the regular mass because they grew up with it. And I grew up with it as well, but like mm-hmm. I, I honestly see the Norris Oro as you know more as like a Protestant service you know with yeah, the ex, yeah. with the like uh, like a lot of extra extraordinary uh eucharistic ministers i think way over in my parish we have like six or seven which i think is way too much and as well as just like a lot of the things like you know the music the guitars it started looking to me more and more like a protestant service if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah and then i think honestly i feel like this pandemic was a blessing because after that pandemic my parents and i decided and as a family, maybe we should try the land mass because my aunt at this time, she'd been going for a while and she said they're still receiving it on the tongue. And because in the nervous order, we were receiving it by the hand, whether you want to. And honestly, I do not agree with that. I, because there's, there's research that's been released recently that for, let's say, 10, 10 people that give commune on the hand, like over 100 particles fall of, you know, the body of Jesus Christ fall on the floor. And you can imagine that gets, you know, what happens, it gets stepped on, it gets vacuumed up, vacuumed up. But in the Latin Mass, I see it's like, it's it's different. They, they still take the face serious. I feel like in the Nervous Order, people are just like, you know, it is. we just show up because we show up. And, you know, it's a social that's that. It's yeah, because, like for example, I remember in the, you know, in the, was the Peace Be With You prayer, everyone would be socialized. The one guy from the right side of the pew would all go all the way in the back to be like, hello, and then half an hour would go by. But in the Latin Mass, it was more like you would see these people who are, like, devoted. It's like, wow, I've been missing out my whole life. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's honestly been a, been a blessing, and I'm, I'm I'm still learning, obviously. I don't, 
I don't speak the language that well. Yeah, I'm still learning, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm still learning. You know, you gotta YouTube it. But I think it's with the grace of God, you know, and, and prayer and asking. I, you, you, anything can happen. So, you know, as I just mentioned, you know, some things. You know, for example, you know, you said you mentioned, you know, you, a lot of people are now being forced to receive the Eucharist in the hand. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I know that it's not really against church law. But I disagree with it highly because we have a lot of evidence that it's not it's not really working in people's minds. For example, you know, you, you eat a potato chip with your hands and everything and you take this the holy the holy Eucharist and you act like it's a potato chip. You you pick it up and you eat it. Um there's not really any ceremony to it. Like where in the Latin Mass, you you must receive it on the tongue. It's more ceremonious, mm. and um, and people ever since we started receiving on the hand, we're seeing way way less Catholics believing that that Christ is really present in the Eucharist. They don't seem to believe it anymore. A lot of them, and a lot of it seems to be connected to receiving in the hand because our brains, um. It's psychologically, we, you know, our actions teach our brains what to think and everything. So if we act like something's not um, important, um, our brain's going to think it's not important. And it will be, you know, you aren't thinking this consciously, but that's what it's going to be for you. I agree 100% with what you say, but I also want to make, you know, I just, I also want to uh, let anyone who's listening to, we're not, I'm not trying to like be like, oh, if you go to the nervous order or any other type of like Catholic mass, I'm not just saying, oh, you're a terrible person or oh, we're a better Catholic. It's just, yes. I, no. I, I think whatever works for you works for you. I'm not going to be like, oh, you have to do this or you're terrible, right? Or we're better than you because we're. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm starting to see more and more division between us Catholics, be, be, between the nervous ordo the low mass people, the high mass, and the traditional. They're like, oh, we're all, they're all, they're all think, oh, we're better than you, or you're oh, worse than yeah. us. I think it's causing more and more division. Yeah, yeah, we're separating. It's, it's sad. Um, yeah. Yeah, we need to, I feel like, but the funny thing is, we, we, we try to convert, you know, pro- other others, other brothers and sisters in Christ, like our Protestant brothers and sisters, or Methodists, and all the all of them. But we don't we don't give time to even think about ourselves as a community. Yes. For example, the Orthodox, they're 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 trying to come back to Rome, but like we, I feel like a lot of us are like we fall into this sin of you know, oh, you're an Orthodox, you can't come to our church, you're bad, or something. Or for example, the Byzantine, the Eastern Church, you know what I'm saying? And we we mm-hmm. see we look at everyone, you know, as down if they're not the same, they're not celebrating the same culture as us, or they're not from the same place as us. And I think we're never, I understand that church is never going to be perfect, we're always going to have flaws, right? That's, you know, yes. you know it's, Christ made that, you know, clear in the Bible, but I think we, need, we could do a better job at you know being open to our other brothers and sisters and you know in within the catholic church and not to be so like down upon them because i see that oh because it, it looks bad you come to worship christ but at the same time he looks at you he's like you love me but you're like right when you leave you're hip you're you know judging these people and it's like you know 
Yeah, the Protestants are not impressed with us. Yeah. Or yes, I understand. But we need. I I think once we get, if we can get that down at least to you know a bet, make it better than the situation is right now. I think more and more Protestants will start looking at the Catholic Church as like, oh, you know what? Actually, these guys aren't lunatics. They're crazy. Maybe they're actually you know logical, smart people like them, right? Yeah. Which is the goal, you know, to bring everyone to Christ, spread the gospel. Okay. Uh, I also wanted to get your take on the mass. How is the situation there? Are more and more people you see attending now, you know, after the pandemic and churches reopening, or do you see less and less actual people going and it's declining? I, um, in my area, I actually think it's more. Um, I heard from, I heard a bishop say that when the churches had shut down, the rate in suicide. The, the, the how many suicides there was rose because really? people look up to us that's the reason they're so upset when something goes wrong because they look up to us we're important we've been around this long and when they saw us fall you know close our churches they thought we we had given up and they thought it just wasn't worth it and so we saw a rise in suicides and now the churches are back open people are hoping again and they want to come. I have a, I have a question to that. I want to add to that. Do you think do you think we the Catholic Church did a harm in closing the churches during the pandemic when people needed them the most, when everything else was closing and they had nowhere else to turn to? Yeah, we shouldn't have closed. We shouldn't have. Because I mean, think about it. In that really bad plague, I can't remember what it's called, but you know, a long time ago that ha that happened, the really bad plague they never closed. The priests went into people's houses and took care of them when they were ill during that plague. It, it, they didn't shut down and hide. Now, I'm not saying priests should come into our house and try to help us, but they should have been there when people were, you know, that needed them that much. Yes. Speaking of that, um, let me see what I want to add to that. Would you... Let me see. How would I phrase this? If there was one thing you you if let's say there was one thing you could do, like you know, and during that time I need and you didn't do it right now, like you know, for example, during the pandemic, like I mentioned, you know, no churches were open, you know, everything was closed where people, you know, needed Christ the most. What is one thing you regret that you could have done that you didn't do, you know, after post pandemic, after you know, this is kind of starting to roll over now. Um. I'm sorry to say, I think it's, I should have cared more. At the mm -hmm. time, I thought, oh, yay, you know, I was being kind of a brat. I was like, yay, I get to, you know, sleep in a ton and do what I want. And mm -hmm. we aren't doing school because if the public schools are closed and the church is closed, what's the point of doing, you know, even homeschool right now? You know, I was enjoying it and I didn't realize how important it was for a long time. Did your spiritual life suffer due to the pandemic like during everything closing um in or the did it kind of just say the same yes in the beginning i just i said my prayers but i didn't pay attention mm -hmm. just you know it was more like a routine habit type of thing mm -hmm. we wash the dishes every day but you're just sick of it yeah honestly i in my opinion personal opinion i feel like i was like deeply like uh, impacted by the pandemic i remember i used to be i was teaching catechism before you know that church closed 
And I remember in March, the kids, I was teaching fifth grade at the time. And, you know, these kids, at the beginning of the year, these kids were, they did not want to know about anything church-related. They thought the church was boring, you know, this is boring, I want to go home, play Fortnite, right? Um, but I remember before, you know, March closed, these, these kids turned into these, they were eager to come in. I remember their smiles, they would come in, they'd be happy to learn, they'd be ready. And then I remember, you know, right, like the week before, you know, was the last week before church closed where I lived. Uh, they asked me, they were worried. Because we were talking about the rosary and I was teaching. I didn't get her teaching like the rosary, but we were, we were getting into it. And I noticed it started getting really bad because, you know, well, you know, it was affecting, you know, the United States where it started, you know, all the way in China. And these yeah. kids and I started worrying for these kids. I'm like, what's going to happen if I don't see these kids again? And so maybe next year, you know, what happens? And I remember the last week, I, I, you know, I, I prayed and I asked God, you know, what do you want me to teach them? You know, in case this is our last time together for the year. And then I remember the the thought of the rosary came in, and then we started talking about it. And at the same time, when I showed up that day, those the, the, that shine I feel was taken away from them. That love and that you know desire to learn about you know Christ, it went away. They were scared. They were asking me, you know, is this gonna are we gonna die? Is the world ending? You know things like that. Yeah. And I can understand. You know, they're they're only 11 year olds. You know, they're when you're a kid. You know, when you see you know the world going bonkers, you you go crazy, right? Because you know, you don't understand you know what's going around around you. Yeah. But I remember the one thing I told them was to to pray the rosary, like pray at least once a day. And I, obviously I'm guilty, you know, sometimes, you know, I miss a day or you know, miss a day or two. But I try really hard to stay, you know, as a make a routine, like you said earlier. And I, and I even gave the kids some of the kids uh, rosaries that I didn't have any. I remember uh, my mother brought in some rosaries earlier that day and we gave them. And um, I, we didn't get the chance to like teach them the rosary because you know the whole time they just wanted they kept, they wanted to know about the pandemic and if everything was going to be all right and i didn't want them to you know leave like anxious so i i showed them like a quick tutorial how to like pray it you know to get them started and then you know hopefully their parents would like guide them and mm-hmm. honestly i was kind of sad after because more and more people stopped going to mass and i I got one of the, I was, I had to deal with, I don't know if, you know, if you, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite or a judge, but the parents of the kids I taught and at my parish, it wasn't, let's just say, it wasn't very, like, a good atmosphere, you know, there was, there was problems, but, like, the parents, I felt they didn't want, they just dropped their kids off to, you know, as a checklist to get it over with and then be done. Yeah. Because when these kids started, I asked them, how was, you know, did you go to mass every daily? I mean, like Sundays. And very few said yes. A lot of them would, I remember, a lot of them wouldn't even go to mass even after, you know, you know, catechism was over. They would go home. Very few would stay. And, you know, that kind of made me sad because these parents, you know, I told these kids at the beginning, I have, I have an obligation or responsibility over your salvation right now until, you know, we're done. Because whatever I don't teach, you know, that's what, you know, on Judgment Day, God's going to give one, is going to ask me for a counsel on why I didn't teach them this. And I felt like my prayer, I got, I think now, like, yeah, at this moment, my, my prayer life has gotten better. And I just feel like as, as Catholics, we need to realize how important the Mass and the, and the, you know, the Holy Eucharist is, because I don't think until this pandemic hit, we didn't realize how important that sacrament was and how, like, Mass yeah. was important to us. Because before, you know, you'd have people chit-chatting, you know, everything, oh, the Eucharist, cool, and we go home. But after, you know, the pandemic and churches started opening, we were, you know, more, everyone, more and more people started 
thirsting, you know, for, for Christ. And I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of people are just hungry to go back to Mass more than I think ever before. So That's amazing, yeah. Another thing I want to mention is um, we were talking about the Mass, and on you said we were talking about the hand, right? Yes. Well, I want to get your take on the Eucharistic, you know, uh, ministers, the helpers, not the priests, but the lay people, the lay people. What are um, your thoughts about that? Do you think it's, you know, do you agree with it? Do you think, you know, you do you think it's not like bad, but we shouldn't do it or? I think, I think it's, I think it's fine. Um, I haven't really discussed that much with my parents. Mm-hmm. I probably should in the future. But as far as I know, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in, it's, um, it's in line with the church. I don't think it goes against anything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Though, but since I, I don't know very much about that. But there, was, there is one thing I'd like to add about yeah. um, receiving on the tongue. Okay, so um, my mom was looking this up, and she okay. sent this to me. And some people, you know, were putting this together because they were upset that mm-hmm. they couldn't receive on the tongue. And they said, um, there's a document called Redemption Redemptioni Sacramentum. It's Latin, obviously. It's from the Vatican. And um, they took some stuff from it, put it together, and it says, Article 92 of Redemptionis Sacramentum is very clear. It refers to communion on the tongue as a right and in the hand as a choice. Although each of the faithful always have the right to receive Holy Communion on the tongue at his choice, if any communicant should wish to receive the sacrament in the hand in areas where the bishop's conference with the, um, crap, I can't say this word, Recognito? Do you want to say that? Mm, no, I, um, no, no, no. Uh, probably said it better than me. Hopefully everyone knows what I'm talking about. But yeah. um, conference with the Reconito of the Apostolic See, Apostolic See, has given permission the sacred host is to be administered to him or her. Sorry, I messed that up. But basically, Sorry. we have the right to receive on the tongue if we want to. And some other people were agreeing. They looked at the science that it's actually no more dangerous to receive on the tongue than it is on the hand. Because the hand, it you can still accidentally touch the hand as much as you can accidentally touch the tongue or the mouth. And the hand has perhaps even more, you know, um, germs and diseases on that. Yes, I agree with that. But... I agree with that. You know, I understand everyone has their preferences, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm by no means, I'm not a theologian or a scholar nor authority to say what's right and wrong, obviously. I just want to make that clear to anyone listening. I'm just, you know, some Catholic guy who likes to talk about his faith, right? Yeah. But one thing I want to point out about what you said is, yes, it's it's not bad. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But I feel like we should not be promoting it, if that makes sense. Promoting um on on the hand. Yes, yeah. it should be like a right, obviously a right. But I yeah. feel like unless it's with very very like very good precaution, you know, you're not just you know like you said earlier, you're having it like a chip, you know, whatever happened, whatever fell on the floor gets cleaned up. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I feel like receiving on the hand, and you know, I feel like it takes the meaning out of the Eucharist, and I feel like that's one of the big like factors and why a lot of a lot of Catholics don't believe in the Eucharist, nor you know anyone in general. Yeah. Because I feel like it takes the purpose away of the sacrament. I think when the priest gives it to you, you know, kneeling down and you, you know, I feel it's and like you said earlier, ceremonial. There's yeah. more of a meaning to it. Obviously, I'm not gonna judge people because I used to attend a nervous order. You know, we used to do it like that. But you know, now that I'm, I, you know, I started going to Lion Mass. It's like you start to realize more. Because I remember before, you know, I used to watch on YouTube, all oh, these these Latin people think they're so better than me or better than us just because <laughs> they do it a different way. But no, you you realize, you know, Christ calls us to do it in a way. He didn't, Christ didn't say celebrate it like five different ways, right? He said one way, right? Obviously, you know, there, we're humans. We make mistakes sometimes. We know when the Lord speaks to us, right? That's in the past. You know, but I think we we need to be a little bit more careful when it comes to things that we 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 can kind of make as acceptable within like the church if that makes sense yeah because what i don't want what i don't want it what i don't want is to get to the point where it gets so where people could get that comfortable doing that and being like oh the priest said this doing this is okay to the point where like i said earlier they start giving it in ziplocs now and baggies oh yeah that's now true. that that is just the last thing we want is to get that in the bag in the Eucharist and like a little cup. That is, that's, unless, that's, that's, unless you're willing to eat the baggie in the cup, but I don't think you're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, honestly, with the churches right now, I think a lot, I feel, in my opinion, I feel a lot of people are, are starting to open their eyes and look at the Latin Mass more, more, because last Sunday I saw a huge increase in the, in our Latin Mass, uh, where we go to, because we, we started going three weeks ago. And our third week was last Sunday, and it was jam packed. But we don't have it. They're not. They have like you like you said rows, but it's only one row like for each person to like separate. Yeah. But it got so full where they literally had to like take off the blockers, like the the ones those seats that were like covered, to serve everyone. I think that I think that was good because I don't think we should be afraid of the virus when we're like in the Lord's house. I feel like that's kind of like. Yeah. disrespectful in this in the same way. for example the mask i think that's i feel like that's kind of very disrespectful because we're like because we're in the lord's presence but at the same time we still we're uh, wearing those masks and those precautions we're doubting that he, he can save us or protect us even yeah. in his own house you know what i mean well yes but also there's another thing that we found out that the that the um COVID is actually a cold it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a member of the cold family which means it's going to be here. It's never going to leave. We need to learn to deal with it. We need to build mm-hmm. our immune systems the way we always build them against, you know, these these viruses and these germs and stuff. We need to build our immune systems, and we mm-hmm. have to get out there. You can't always be afraid. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. I feel like it's going to happen, for example, you know, the – what was that one virus in, two, in the early 2000s? It was – I forget what it was called. They made, it was uh, – I forget what it was called, but it was very popular back then. You know, in the early 2000s, people thought, you know, the world was over and, you know, everything. But they literally brought a vaccine. Now, I'm not saying we should just treat it like that because we never know. Like, you know, Christ said when he, he will come like a magician when we least expect it, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, but I definitely see that right now with, you know, what's happening in the church. A lot is, a lot is happening. I don't know if you saw what, hap- uh, what Pope Francis said on uh, uh, one of the Vatican channels. In May, he says something 
big what happened. And in the Bible, it says the prophecies of, you know, things going bad, you know, in the within the church. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like right now what was happening, I feel like the like we're struggling as as a society, you know, and to believe even in God. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because nowadays, the, what is the world promoting? This atheistic self-help, you know, society. Now, I'm not uh -huh. saying, you know, building habits is a bad thing or, you know, doing your chores, you know, every day at 9 a.m. No, I'm not saying that's bad. But to the point where you think, well, you don't add God to the equation, I think that's very deadly. Moral and relativism. I think, Moral relativism. Exactly. And I think that's really hurting our young people as well. I'm a young person as well. I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm only 17, but... <gasps> I'm You're only 17. Yes, I'm only 17. <laughs> yes, but it, it it's hurting I it's hurting my I've seen friends who have died because of, you know, the world they live they decided to live in the world, you know, doing drugs, you know, gang banging and you know, what happens, you know, um, Satan Satan literally destroys their lives to the point where they 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 die a brutal death. And many and not, what what I don't like is now you can't even mention religion now. You mention God or Christ, oh, take it somewhere else. Where am I supposed to take it to the ocean or where? <laughs> they, you can't talk about it. The only thing you can talk, and you know, the only thing we can talk about is the LGBTQ community, yeah. you know, abortion, and yeah. I'm not. I they think say, that's not good. They say I, don't oppose, don't don't impose your belief on me, and yet what they're trying to do imposes, is impose yes. their belief on us. Yes, I 100% agree, and I. I honestly, I hate this statement more than anything that the only people who are against abortion are religious people. And you don't have to be religious to be against abortion. There is countless studies, you know, that you can do that show, you know, the fetus feels pain and like it dies. It has a heart. The moment there's a, a, a vein like pumping blood or a heart, it has life. Yes. And I, I feel like people just... When they hear the word religion was a part of that answer, they're like, nah, it's not valid. You know what I mean? They, and I, that's don't. hurting people. They, for example, yeah. For example, contraception. A lot <laughs> of people are like, oh, Catholics don't like contraception because it's against the religion. You know, you know the family planning thing. They're like, oh, that's a Catholic thing, right? Yeah. But yeah. that's not because when you use, you know, for example, like birth control, it it stops the body from what it's supposed to do during intercourse. Whereas, like, natural planning, it doesn't do any of that, you know. It just tracks, you know, this and that and that, right? It's more like, I think it's more safe because a lot of birth control has side effects. A lot and terrible side effects. Well, also, also, it doesn't stop a child from being conceived. The child is conceived and there's act you're actually pregnant. But then what happens is the, um, what's it called? Whatever it's called doesn't attach to the wall of your stomach like it's supposed to, and you lose the baby basically in the toilet. So it doesn't do anything to stop. It's basically an abortion. Yeah, that. And then what I like about you know NFE is it, it's natural. It cycles. It tracks you know a woman's cycle whereas abortion. You don't know what's gonna happen, right? Yeah. You could say on paper no, but the next thing you know, you know, you're like oh snap. You know, I think <laughs> I think if if. I don't think you should even kill a child because what if, if I were to say to you, uh, is it okay to kill a child in the womb? And let's say a person says yes, right? Yeah. 
Okay, because, the, you know, the argument would be like, oh, yes, because, you know, the child doesn't have a right. He can't speak. Yes, I want life or I don't want to live, right? That was, they're going to say it was up to the parents, right? Mm-hmm. And since since you're saying that's morally correct, then would it also be morally correct to kill a two-year-old, uh, a one-year-old with, with a shotgun since it cannot speak or defend itself? Would that be morally? Because that that's, that would be the exact same, same, same thing. Some yeah like if you went or even with the grandparent that it would be if you could kill a child and be moral then you could kill someone's grandparent and somebody would kill you if you kill their grandparent so yeah because like, what are, for example what if they have like a disorder and they can't speak properly and then you're like oh they yeah. they, they have no they're not a human because they have a disorder mm. well and but at the same time they're saying when you can't kill a baby like that like a five like a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old or like an old person that doesn't make sense and that's why I see, you know, the enemy, you know, trying to attack us. Because well, honestly, what's happening right now in this world is unhuman. Like, I look at us human beings, I'm like, what the heck are we doing? What have we gotten ourselves, ourselves into? Mm. And I don't know, I don't know if you, if you, if you, listen, if you watch a lot of, like, uh, you know, Catholic theologians or, like, or doctors or apologists. I don't know if you're aware, like, if you watch any of that. <laughs> My parents sort of do, but I, I don't do it. I just talk with my parents and read um books, and um I'm studying apologetics for school right now. Oh, you are? Yes. Do you go to a public school? No, I'm homeschooled. Oh, you're homeschooled, yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not an apologist myself. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just some random guy. But, you know, honestly, we, we need to do – we need to do – we just have to work – on how to explain things to people that are Catholic or not, that might disagree. That's our duty. That's our Catholic that duty. That is. Because honestly, honestly, the reason I made this podcast is to speak the truth, not just for like, oh, just to get famous and blow up and then be like, for, and you just do it all for money. Yeah. No, I can make like zero money, but if I, at least one person hears this and it impacts their life for me, that's just enough, right? Yeah. yeah. And with the internet so big now, why, why not, why not evangelize, right? For example, Why social media is huge, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't see that many people posting on their, like, Instagram, you know, about their faith because they're like, oh, people say I'm too pushy on my religion or it just looks bad or maybe you should or take us somewhere attacked. else. They'll get attacked. They're afraid, some of them. Honestly, I stopped caring what people say. I'm still in <laughs> high school, obviously, you know, because I'm 17. Yeah. But I don't even care what people say. People can laugh at me. I don't really care because, like, I told – because I rather I rather know – I suffered here, but I have, like, an eternal reward, which is heaven, hopefully. And, you know, I want, honestly, I'd rather be in heaven right now than, you know, being here. Because what is here? Here's pain. Here's, like, hate, hatred. All these things in the world. But in heaven, there's none of that. And I th- honestly, what the world missing right now, especially, you know, with the, you know, assassination of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, it's, we need you, we need to put God in this. Yes. Because if you look into the Black Lives I'm not I'm not saying I'm against, you know, I don't support it. I support, yeah, you know, all, lives, all matter. lives matter, but I don't support the other things that the organization supports, where such as, you know, saying we're just like legalizing abortion, you know, and saying, yeah. you know, the being like like transgender is normal when it's not. Yeah. That's the aspects I don't support the like the organization, but I do support the movement, and I, all my lives matter. You know, it doesn't matter color, race, any other lives matter, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Nowadays, I think it's really hard to find people who want to talk about their faith, who want to learn about it. Yeah, hard. It's Honestly, so- when I found you, it took me about two months to find a single person. No one, People would be saying yes, but then they would 
never show up or they would never, you know, pick up the call. And I was like, wow, uh-huh. man. And it was terrible, man. It was terrible. But, you know, every day we got to grow. And, you know, I've been talking a lot. Do you have, what, is there anything you want to bring up to the table that we haven't talked about yet? Um, or what um, has been in your mind this week that you're like, dang, man, I wish I could share this with someone, but I haven't had the chance. Well, I know this doesn't have much to do with faith, when you went, but when you mentioned the Black Lives Matter thing, there is one thing I've wanted to say, and I've been telling some people, we found out that the cop who killed George Floyd wasn't a cop. He, even his own neighbors, thought he was a real estate agent. Really? Yeah. Okay, I know that doesn't have much to do with the faith. No, but. it's okay. Obviously, it's affecting the world. Yes. But, and things like that, I think we should need to put in God's hands, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know. Because we, if we try to do it ourselves, it's never going to work. Yeah. Another thing is um, I've always thought about the schools. And I think this pandemic, though, has actually been somewhat of a good thing. Though it's been really hard on parents and they've had a tough time. Because, you know, they probably never had their kids home this long except for during summer. And they have, they're going to have them for longer than summer now. And a lot of them. And then they – um, but – because their kids were home during the school, the part of the school year, they got to see a lot of what their kids are learning. And they're finally waking up and seeing that a lot of what's taught in the schools now is either unnecessary, stupid, or absolutely morally and, yeah, let's say morally wrong mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And some of the teachers don't know what they're talking about. And just stuff like that. And so a lot of people are actually turning to um, homeschooling or they're approaching the schools. So what would you recommend, let's say, a Catholic couple who just had who have children, you know, ages six or seven and they're going to a public school right now? If they, they would ask you, what do you think? Should we keep them in school or should we homeschool? Like they're not going to a Catholic school. They're going to a regular public school. Like everyone else. What, what would you recommend and why? Yeah, I've run into, like, I, I, have, I haven't been out in public very much. I just started recently. I'm getting, finally getting to know how to talk to people and everything, but that's not because of homeschooling. But anyway, I recently ran into some little kids who go to a public school, and I, I heard such terrible things about even what the teachers encouraged the children to do. Mm-hmm. I was shocked, and so I would say homeschool them. Homeschool them until you can get those schools fixed. I know it's hard, but it can be easier if you if you get your if you um decide your own curriculum. You can take a curriculum, a good one, and decide what you want to do. But yeah. <laughs> what is a major flaw you see in the in the public school system right now? Um, a major one that would be special, especially the um sex education and stuff. That's okay absolutely unnecessary and it's traumatizing so many kids and it's helped to ruin our world and then i see a lot of schools are pushing a very feministic attitude with the women with the girls and it's and it's um affecting our men because they don't know what they want some often what happens is they want to please the women but they don't know what to do because the women are being irrational because they don't even understand what they are pushing on the men. Mm-hmm. Would you say the would you say you know the, the would you say social media or the internet in general 
you know, is the main fact for all these problems that we're starting to see now in today's society? Um, could, could you explain that a little bit more? Sorry. <laughs> well, for example, you know, you know, on Instagram, you know, feminism is a huge, like, part of Instagram, you know. They, oh, the actual community has, like, what, like, 4.2 million? And every day they're getting more and more followers. And more and more is getting pushed into little children, little young girls' feeds or young young adolescents, you know, into their feed, you know. And same, you know, and also, like, um, for example, like, the My Body, My Choice movement, you know, things like yeah. that. Or, you know, even in public schools, it's getting pushed. Or, you know, for example... Like I said, you know, the same-sex attraction is also being pushed in schools where I go to a public school and we recently had had to read two books about uh, about transgenderism and mm-hmm. same-sex attraction. And I was like, wow, man, what, what's going on? Well, things like that where they're making – they're trying to push it to make it look like a, the norm. Yeah. So when children go out to the world, they're like, oh, it's normal seeing, you know, two women or two men, you know, getting married or something like that. Or, you know – the woman has to be equal just with the men, you know, th- things like that. You think those contribute to how our youth is today or how the world is today? For sure. To For sure. We want to please. When we're young, that's all we want. And if if someone you love or someone you're fond of or look up to pushes this kind of stuff, if you aren't strong enough, you're going to go for it. And then eventually you're going to accept it as your life, your passion. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yes. Just the way it goes. Yes, honestly, if someone were to say to you, "Should I quit social media for a couple months, or should I just, or should I just get rid of my phone like entirely?" What what would you recommend, or what would you say in that situation, and why? (laughs) Well, um, I actually don't have any social media accounts. And I might in the future, but it's just because I've gotten on the internet only last year. Um, oh, really? Yes, I'm, I'm pretty new. Uh, what I've seen, though, is a lot already, and I learned quite a bit. I would say if yeah, – there's nothing wrong with being on social media. Mm-hmm. If you can – if you know you can be strong enough to resist anything that may come up mm-hmm. and not, you know, follow the other people. Now, if it's a problem for you, you don't throw away your phone and everything, but you probably should stay away from the the, the sites. The websites are the biggest problem for you, you know? So so are you going more towards, like, maybe, like, fasting from, you know, the Internet for a couple of weeks or, like, a week or something like that? Or Yeah, if that's something you need, yeah, do that. It, for mm-hmm. people, it's – for everyone it's different it, it depends mm-hmm. on their personality and the way their mm-hmm. the way their brain works and everything for some people my mom she used to listen to rock and roll and she found out that that's not really actually good for your brain it makes it grow wrong she had to stay away from it for i think she said one to three years before she, she could you know list hear things normally again mm-hmm. and so for some people it'll be a really long time or a short time of fasting or they could, they could, um, like, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many things you could do. You have to, like, try it out for yourself. Find out what works best for you. Yeah, everyone is unique. And now, I don't know if you see this a lot where you're from, but where I'm from, now now it's returning the norm for young kids, you know, from the ages four to even, like, five, to have cell phones, and, oh. you know, they give, the parents give it to them so young. And then, but at the same time, the, par- the parents aren't, you know, 
watching their children, watching what they see on the phone, they just give it to them so they can leave, the parents could be left alone. Yes. <laughs> the new baby. What, what is your take on that? Um, I, I see a lot wrong with that, both physically, spiritually, and mentally. Um, physically, it tur- turns out that, um, like I said, I don't know the words for this. My mom would, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she, she's kind of like a research scientist and she was a nurse, but like the waves coming from these electric devices actually change your cells, mm-hmm. um, for the worse. It makes your body start falling apart. Your brain work differently. You aren't as smart and everything. Mm-hmm. So, and now it doesn't hurt people who've already, you know, gone through the, their growth. They're, they're not growing as fast anymore. You know, like adults, it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt them as much, but when you're that young, like five to 14 and a little older, it, it, it really, it really messes with your cells and changes you, making you not quite the same person you were supposed to be by DNA and everything. And now that's the physical problem. But, um, now obviously we can see what's wrong morally that Mm -hmm. since the parents are not watching, the children have, there's all these ads showing up the kids see and in video Mm -hmm. games, they're often not, the girls are often not appropriately dressed in any way, um, quite deliberately, it seems. And all this, the YouTube videos, the kids could just, any YouTube video, there could be some crap in it. Mm-hmm. And um, all that stuff. And, these, and the parents, you know, allowing them to do whatever they want, that's a problem. Um, now, let me see. Mentally, when the children have access to whatever they want, they they begin to think that they can have whatever they want in anything, not just on the phone. And I've noticed that with the kids who have free internet access and do whatever they want, they begin to not listen to their parents, and their parents give them a curfew, and they often get hurt on their way home. Mm-hmm. And um, they begin to trust any person, random individual, and they can get carried off, and they get hurt. And... Um, and they, and they completely disobey their parents. Absolutely. Like a bunch. And so it's really hard. I think it's in the parents' best interest to, if they're going, I would not say give your child a phone, but if you're going to give your child a phone, limit the usage of the phone, like maybe one hour, two hours a day, and only allow your child to use certain things. What would those things be? Like, maybe a mild, a couple, like, mild video games. Like, <laughs> my parents don't like us playing video games very much, but I played a game called Smash It, <laughs> and I got really good at it, and I found that really fun. But, like, mild games, more like that, they don't, um, they don't, there won't be any, like, inappropriate things showing up in between and all that. And then, um, my parents gave us a laptop with no internet, and we learned to write books and use our imagination and, oh, my gosh, I have, like, 50 books on, and I hope I can, like, get famous with them or something. Really? But, what are your books about? Um, many different things. There's science fiction, reality. I'm actually writing a um, book of our experience on COVID, which a bunch of people will probably be doing as well. But mine will be very controversial. Yeah, very creative, you know. Your childhood, it seems, like, from what you've tell, told me. You know, where I'm, I come from the suburbs. I don't know if you live in a suburb or the city or a rural area, but over here in the suburbs, like, everyone's mostly on their phones or watching YouTube or texting. So it's like, wow. 
Yeah, I was I was forced to be that way. Um, I, I actually started writing books when I got in trouble. See, my parents don't believe in watching uh, that kids should watch whatever movies they want until they're 18. That so, they, like, no horror movies, nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah, so they I agree. Can, so we can watch, like, Matrix and stuff with our father once we turn 12. So we always have a fun monthly movie with him where we all go in, us kids that are 12 and older, we'll go in with him and watch, like, Matrix or Star Wars or Star Trek or something. But when we're younger, our access to a lot of movies is limited. And so we can watch, like, Swiss Family Robinson or, or um, Veggie Tales or just fun movies like that. But um, I didn't like that because I had gone through all the movies, had watched them a bunch, and I was adventurous and really good at being sneaky. Mm-hmm. So I started watching whatever I could get my paws on of my parents' movies. And I got caught watching The Matrix. So for my punishment, I was not allowed to watch any movies at all, even the mildest, for a couple months. And during that time, I was freaking bored because <laughs> of all the kids watch movies. I had to stay out of the playroom and everything. And I can't go outside randomly because our neighborhood's not a great neighborhood. So, so I, um, uh, I had a dream one, one day, um, just a random dream. And I kept thinking back cause I really liked it. I thought it was cool and everything. And I kept adding more to it, having fun, twisting the character and everything. And that turned into my first book. It's a science fiction story, a trilogy now. And from there on, I realized, though I'm not good, I can write, and I got a good imagination. So I started writing a bunch, and my sister, my uh, first sister, started uh, following my footsteps. Now she's even better than I am. And, yeah, (laughs) stuff like that. I can't remember where I was going with this. Do you think how how your parents raised you, you know, with these rules, do you think that that kind of made you not kind of like rebel from them in a way um like did it make you like respect them like a lot more i respect them now a bunch now they understand but in the past i had a hard time but i think that wasn't really their fault i think it's because they were having a hard time Mm -hmm. so uh, and i and i didn't understand their rules i didn't understand Mm -hmm. what's going on i thought they at one point, I thought my mother didn't love me. <laughs> I was kind of silly. And yeah. I learned to be a con artist. I could get away with anything. Mm-hmm. I was, I got myself out of so many problems. Um, and I was angry at mom. But my siblings got caught because they weren't as good as me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in the past, I was very rebellious. But as I get older and um, um, I become <laughs> more emotionally mature, and more logical i can see yes their their way has been very good um there's some things i wouldn't agree with um i didn't <laughs> like with spankings they did a lot and i can understand why it was we mm-hmm. were really stubborn kids but mm-hmm. um i wouldn't agree with as much spanking as they did so i would change that when i become a mother um a parent but um most of what they did and the, the telling us the truth. That's one of the most important things they did. And not, I'm not saying that parents lie. What I'm saying is mm-hmm. when our parents said, don't do this, they told us why we shouldn't all the time. 
if they said, we don't want you going out at night. And they said, and this is why. They told us, there is men that carry off children. It has happened many times. They showed us evidence sometimes and told us stories. Not not enough to horrify us. But Gus, close the door. Sorry. Can't. Sorry. Shut the door. Um, but they... Sorry. Sorry. What was I saying? I was saying, um, but yes, they would, one of the most important things they did was always tell us the truth and exactly what might happen. So the, then they told in such a way that we would not be traumatized or anything. Yeah, hi, Mom. We would not be traumatized, but we, we would know why. So we wouldn't fight about it. We wouldn't be... Act- Rebellious, right? It's not on. It's not on video. It's all right. Oh, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. So, so a lot of kids rebel because they don't understand why their parents want them to do some things, why they have a curfew and everything. And what parents need to realize is their kids are smart, really smart usually. And the, if you give the kids the reason why they shouldn't go, a real reason, a logical reason, something they aren't going to go, what are they talking about? The the kid is more is more likely to listen. It's I found that. <laughs> so I totally agree with that. I think the reason why the youth is you know rebellious or doing these all these things or falling to drugs is because I think the parents of this generation of these generation are doing, in my opinion, like a poor job as you know parenting. Now I'm not saying how to be a parent because I'm not a parent, but I think. You know, parents need to do a bit better than what they're doing right now yeah. if they want any changes in their in their children because, you know, the parents are the ones in charge of their children until, you know, they're older. Their so you can't expect them. the children to be somehow mature magically if you never raise them that, you know, in a certain <laughs> yeah. way. We don't if you raise them people. to be on their own, they're never going to, you know, ask you for permission because you raised them that way. So in a way, it's kind of the parents' fault, not always the child's, child's fault. Yes, I'm... Um, there's one thing, um, you know how, uh, this is kind of connected in a way, you know how, like, say a Catholic marries a Protestant? The Catholic? Beca- because God sees education of children so seriously, the Catholic parent will be, um, is responsible to raise the kids Catholic and will be doubly responsible on Judgment Day if they've gone wrong with the children. Because God, cause God sees education as that important. So when these parents are failing to educate their children, even though there's two, like, with a lot of cases, two Catholics were, should be working together and doing a good job, they're, they're, now they're going to be really, really responsible to God for this. They don't realize they aren't just, you know, you know, just, oh, accident, like, I, I did it wrong, I didn't know what I was doing, um, I'll, I'll be let off easy. It's not that way that... They should have tried, not. What was I saying? Dang it! I keep losing my train of thought. But um, they 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 should have tried more, and that they're going to be responsible for this. They aren't jeopardizing just their children; they're jeopardizing themselves. This is mm-hmm. way more serious than they imagine. The first two rule, the first two reasons for marriage, and the two most important were to beget and educate children. So. Right after having the child, it's your job to make sure the child is educated. Now, of course, schools are supposed to help. So the schools, you know, will teach them the basics. But when the child comes home, 
it is your job to make sure they know what they're supposed to know, especially in matters of faith and morals. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I think above anything, if you're going to teach your children to raise them, morals, I think, is one of those probably one of the top two up there. Yeah, because that's that's life and death right there. That's you can you can be, you know, live in the richest neighborhood or be successful. But if your parents never touch morals, all that all that went to the trash, basically. Because how- it's it's forever. Because a lot of people think a lot of people don't even think hell exists. That that's that's how bad it is. You know, and the sad thing is, but when they die and they get there, they're like, oh snap! You know, maybe these crazy Christians were actually not lying. They were telling some truth. And I, I think yeah. I think society is is making us close-minded. They're like this. This has to be like this. If someone says no because of this, they're weird. I think we need to be more open-minded as people. Yeah, in college. Because if you think, because if you think about it, the people who convert to Catholicism, it's not because their parents made them. It's because they were open-minded. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes, and they they cared to learn. Because I'm not I'm not Catholic because I was raised Catholic or because just because my parents say it's right. I have researched it for hours, and out of all the religions of churches, the Catholic Church has been able to answer all the questions I have. Yeah, and you made you made the decision. That's your job. Yes, I'm even though you know I'm I'm still like underage, but it's still it's still my choice whether I want to. If that makes sense. Because yeah. Yeah. God gives us freedom. You know, for some people say, oh, well, why why does, you know, why does God let this happen to me? Well, it's because if there's no evil, he, there's, he can't make anything good. Out of, how He can't make anything good out of good, right? And, yeah, and we made the evil. It wasn't his fault. We made it. Yeah. For example, say, oh, why did why did God allow the car crash? God didn't allow the car crash. He let you, he let the driver who caused it. You know, make a choice. Do you want to like drive safely or do you want to drive recklessly? You know, everyone does everything on their own free will. So yeah, I think yeah, that's I that's really one of the things that's very very important. One last thing I want to I want to talk about before you know when the, sh- the episode, which has actually been a, the longest episode I've ever recorded. I'm not gonna lie, the, my last one was <laughs> 45 minutes. So, <laughs> let's say we have. Right now, with this pandemic going on, and you know, a lot a lot of people are going back to church, and since it's been a couple of months, well, for a lot of, a lot of us, you know, since we've gone to church or since we even prayed, a lot of people, you know, a lot of us, including me, you know, have been kind of cold, you know, during the dry season. What would you rec- What would what would be some things you would recommend to to our brothers and sisters who want to get back into an intimate relationship with Christ, but are are still stuck in that dryness that, that they were left in the pandemic. After, you know, churches were closed, they were quarantined, and now they're going back, you know, out in the world, you know, going outside. What, what would you recommend? Well, I've run into quite a few, and it seems like one especially big problem now, especially for Catholics, is guilt. Because they've often fallen behind, because they've fallen behind in their faith, a lot of them, while the pan, you know, while the churches were closed. And so first step, I would always say, would be go to confession. Get it right with God and be sorry for your sins and let it go. So you don't got that guilt hanging out over your head all the time. Then then go to Mass. Go to Mass as often as you can. Pray and um, and, and help people. Uh, you know, build up. Make the, you help them be strong again. Because so many people are, are just, you know, are broken because they were so stressed. They were so afraid that now they need help standing back up. So if you if you can do it, 
after you after you've strengthened yourself with the Lord, you've gotten a mass, you've gotten a confession, go out and start helping these people be strong again. Would you would you also would you would you recommend praying, you know, the would you recommend them to, to pray the rosary as well? Like day like the rosary daily? is very important. Very yes. important. It's powerful. Um, there's a story where um, one there was I think pirates going to attack big they were going to destroy everything and the Pope got everyone together all the people and they all said the rosary together and I don't remember exactly how it happened but the pirates ended up not attacking and they left. So that's, that's one of the mysteries, yeah. So it's it's amazing. I've seen my family a lot. Of my family's not truly Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. now they haven't changed yet, but we're seeing the people that like married into our family that weren't Catholic, they are converting to the faith and, and our family has become more stable since we started praying together. It was really, we had a tough time for a couple of years. We were continually getting sick. My mother almost died a couple of times and then we lost a child by a stillbirth. And, um, we, we had a really tough time. We were really struggling, and we started saying first the chaplet, the chaplet of divine mercy. Mm -hmm. That got us back on our feet. Um, and we, we would always say the rosary whenever we went out in the car together as a family. But now, seeing what's going on and seeing that the rosary is so powerful, we're starting to say the rosary every day. In fact, we, we said it right before this podcast so that really? I could be on here. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. That's great to hear. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. This, this probably is probably uh, one of the funnest episodes I probably ever recorded. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, I can have you back on the show again. It, it was really fun, you know, having a quick chat, you know, giving advice to our brothers and sisters after this pandemic, you know, some advice they can do and, you know, an update on the world that's going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the show, and uh, I really appreciate it. So. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I did. Have a good one. You too.